Hi, friends, and welcome to the Robcast. This is episode 125, and this is part eight of the Wisdom series, and this one is called Two Things I Ask of You. Uh, a couple quick things before we get into two things I ask of you. I will be in Chattanooga soon for the second to last stop of the How to Be Here tour. And then end of uh, November, that would be the 19th, is the last How to Be Here experience in L.A. And then the tour is done. So uh, I think there may still be a couple of seats for Chattanooga and there's a couple of seats for L.A., would love to see you there. It's like all day. It's like a seven or eight hour experience and it's in the round and I'm in the middle and uh, I'm telling you, I am telling you, so much fun. Now, two things I ask of you. What's interesting about this part eight of this wisdom series is uh, this one is actually a prayer. Uh, much of what we've been looking at are almost like traditional wisdom sayings. Um, but but this one is a prayer, and it's in chapter 30 of the book of Proverbs. And the first time I was reading through Proverbs, thinking about doing this series, it just it jumped out at me. It jumped out at me actually because of its simplicity. So uh, I'm going to read the prayer, and then I want to take you through one layer, and then I want to explore another layer, and then another layer. Um, and I want to talk about the relationship between anxiety and memory and the relationship between stress and history. Because this, in just a few lines, this prayer, uh, for me at least, it was so convicting. Um, really, really, really convicting. And it raises all these questions about smallness and bitterness and past, present, future. Uh, so, here is the prayer, chapter 30 of Proverbs. Uh, the prayer goes like this. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. I know. Isn't that amazing? Even on first read, I was like, oh, this feels like I could, be, I could explore this forever. So uh, I love that line, do not refuse me. Um, the prayer is two things I ask of you, Lord, and do not refuse me before I die. I love how the prayer isn't polite. It's like a demand. It's like an urgent demand. Like this, literally, I'm going to die at some point, but before I die, you need to give me this. P prayer is giving expression to your interiors. It's naming that which lies within you. So anger, rage, impatience, love, care, intentions, compassion. Uh, you're furious about something. Prayer is you give you give it language. You want somebody to be healed, you give it language. You take all of this that's sort of boiling within you and you give it expression. You name it. You articulate it. That's, the, that's, that's one of the powers of, of prayer. And there's this urgency. Two things I ask of you, Lord, and do not refuse me before I die. I need this 
right now. Oftentimes, when people ask questions about prayer, I'm struck with how when you just ask a few questions for clarifying about what they mean by prayer, oftentimes what they're talking about is polite speech towards the sky. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just this, well, and, and generally it's some sort of transaction. You're supposed to, you ask for things politely and then you either get them or you don't or oh, whatever that works. But here, the prayer is like this urgent, this urgent desire that comes from deep in the bones. Uh, essentially, the, the, the prayer, prayer is, what do you want? Like, what do you want? And in the wisdom tradition, prayer isn't this nice, polite act of speech to the sky. It's like this urgent, raw, um, there is something I need and I need it right now and do not refuse me. And then uh, the first thing, because the two things I ask of you, those are the, that's the prayers, two things. First one is keep lies from me. Keep lies and falsehood from me. Now, on first reading, I was like, oh, um, you know, help people not to tell me lies. Um, help people uh, keep falsehood away from me. It's almost like keep those things at a distance. Um, so you could read it at, uh, as others, but uh, a lot of scholars read it as self. Um, keep lies and falsehood away. Keep me from telling myself lies. Keep, keep me from uh, creating all sorts of falsehoods about myself. It's a prayer for self-awareness and self-knowledge. Uh, it's telling yourself the truth about what's happening. Th think of all the thousands of examples we have around us, especially in, in popular culture, of people becoming deluded, telling them things that aren't true. Or perhaps you've been with people who are putting themselves down. They've They've told themselves all sorts of lies, either about their greatness. Usually the lies are about greatness or about smallness. It's either, a, often it's about the, it's an ego that's become bloated or it's a spirit that's been crushed. Um, these are the two directions, oftentimes the lies. The lies tell us, uh, the lies tell us that we're nothing or the lies tell us that we're everything. Uh, and it's like the first thing is, uh, the prayer is, uh, help me live in truth. Help me not to tell myself lies or believe lies. I want to be aware is essentially the prayer. Uh, I want self-knowledge. So two things I ask of you. First, keep me aware. Keep my eyes open. Give me self-knowledge. And then the second part, which whew, don't give me riches or poverty, only my daily bread. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. By the way, if, you, if that line, daily bread, reminds you of Jesus teaching his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread, yes, of course, Jesus is referring to the wisdom tradition. He's a Jewish rabbi, deeply grounded and rooted in the wisdom tradition. And mo oftentimes what Jesus is saying is he is referring to, to earlier scriptures and traditions. So uh, this is a classic example where uh, the idea of Jesus, when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread, yeah, that, that would have been a very normal thing for, 
first century Jewish disciples to have been taught by the rabbi how to pray. So uh, give me only my daily bread. Give me what I need for this day. No more, no less. Keep me, if you were to like sort of expand it here, keep me in the present. Please keep me here and now with just what I need for here and now. No more, no less. That's it. Uh, quick question. How much of your anxiety and stress is about something that is 1,000% for sure absolutely needed for today? Or are you like me? Uh, it's not about this day's bread. Most of my stress and anxiety is about tomorrow or next week or next year. Because uh, the truth is, we're going to make it today. The truth is, I have what I need for today. But my mind, my heart, my psyche, my thoughts, my ruminations, my monkey brain leaps ahead to some point in the future. And, and here's the big thing. It leaps ahead to something that may be a problem at some point in the future. And my, what my mind does is attach like Velcro to what might happen and to the outcome that may come about at some point in the future, but it also may not. So if you, you, for right now, think about whatever stress, anxieties, worries, burdens you're carrying around, how much of them are about this exact moment and how much of them are about what might unfold in the future, but it also might not unfold. It might not happen. It could go another way. How much energy are you giving to possibilities, to things that may go a certain way, but they may go a different way? They, they may truly become the train wreck they appear to be, or they may go away or solve themselves, or somebody else might take care of it. The things that are stressing you right now, how many of them are for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, going to come to their worst conclusion or outcome in the next few hours? <laughs> See what I mean? This prayer, th this for me goes right to the heart of the stress, worry, burdens, and anxiety of any given moment of any given day. If I, actually, if I actually write it all out, it's not about today. And the possibility that these things that are weighing me down are actually going to come to fruition and they're going to explode in the giant hairball, bomb, train wreck, whatever it is, right in this moment today, um, when I, it's, it's actually not going to happen like that. So of all the things to ask for, Wisdom, wisdom asks for two things. Uh, help me tell myself the truth, and, and please don't make me too rich or too poor, but just give me my daily bread, just what I need for today. Wisdom knows what to ask for. Think about the subtlety and nuance 
present in this request. Some people are miserable and bitter, and they feel like life has given them the cold shoulder, like they haven't gotten the breaks, and everybody else has. Do you ever meet somebody who sort of wears that uh, on their, uh, it's like sitting there on their shoulder? But then when you, when you begin talking with them and you find out what they're longing for, what they've been asking for, uh, oftentimes people tell you right away, five minutes of talking, you get a sense for what it is they ruminate on, what it is they're fixated on. Um, no wonder, no wonder. It's like they're asking for the wrong things. Uh, it's like when you meet somebody who's trying to figure out how to have more Facebook or Instagram followers. Really? That's, that's what you're asking for. Uh, perhaps you're asking for the wrong things. Or I've met people who are just like, well, yeah, I want to be famous. Or, yeah, I, I, uh, I want to, I've, I've met people who are like, I, I, they want to sell lots of books. And you say, well, what do you have to say? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. So one of the questions is, what are you asking for? Because in the wisdom tradition, the urgency of the prayer is not for a specific item. It's not for a possession. It's not for a material article or artifact. What the person is urgently asking for is, is awareness and, and character and just enough for this moment. It's as if the, the prayer is, I want to become a particular kind of person who's not stressed and worried about the future because I know that I'm taking care of today. Please don't give me too much and please don't give me not enough. The prayer is like, uh, uh, please don't give me lack, and please don't give me excess. Please give me just enough. It's like a middle state. P please give me the middle state of not too much, but, but not enough, just in the middle. Now, uh, there's a brief bit of explanation to the prayer, which has a bit of history to it, which to, to me just takes into all sorts of interesting territory. So um, whether or not you have a religious background or whether you believe in God or not, stay with me here because uh, this, this is really, really compelling to me. Uh, the, explanation is, the explanation of please give me poverty or riches, but just give me my daily bread, then the explanation is otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. Now, why? <sighs> oh, a sneeze was coming on for like three minutes. Oh, I thought I could do mental, I thought I could Jedi mind trick that sneeze. You know what I mean? I was like, just keep going. You, you're staring, you're staring down that sneeze. You're going to win. You're going to be fine. And then it just came up and punched me in the face. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, okay. So the explanation is, uh, please don't give me riches and don't give me poverty, but just my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Now, first off, let's go through the, name of, the names of God because 
when the writer says Lord and the writer says God, there's something really interesting happening here in the wisdom tradition in regard to the history that this comes out of. So the writer uses a name for God and the word, the name of God the writer uses is Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in an English translation. Now, people have been trying to name the divine, the ultimate, for thousands and thousands of years. I would, I would talk about the divine as uh, ultimate reality. People have been trying to name the depths of the universe, might be another way to put it. Spirit, force, source, energy, love. Uh, people have been trying to give a name to that sense that this thing we call life is a gift and it has a source. Um, by the way, I was doing, I've been doing this cooking show on Facebook Live, and somebody asked a question the other day that their seven-year-old was asking, who cre if God created everything, who created God? And they were like, how should you respond? And, and my first thought is when someone says, well, who created God? M my first impulse is what well, we did, <laughs> which probably a seven-year-old might be like, huh? Um, but then a lot of adults might be, huh? Human beings use this word God to describe ultimate reality, the thing behind the thing behind the thing, that of which nothing bigger can be conceived. Uh, so we've been naming that which is beyond us for a long time. So you'll find this, even just take the Bible, just in the Bible, the number of different names for God. Uh, so source, love, father, mother, spirit, judge, warrior, place, uh, God is a place, power, Lots and lots of these images and names uh, appear again and again and again, let alone other texts, let alone other traditions. And oftentimes when you're interacting with another tradition and um, you see the names for the divine, you will say, oh yeah, we, we have a name similar to that in our tradition. So uh, what's interesting about the wisdom tradition and this prayer and this word Lord is this word Lord is a particular name for the divine. And it comes out of the history of the wisdom tradition and the Hebrew slaves who in the book of Exodus are liberated from their enslavement. They're owned by Pharaoh in Egypt and they're rescued from Egypt and brought out into the wilderness. And the name that they're given of who rescues you from your slavery. The name when Moses, their liberator, asks is the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Sometime we should do something about the Hebrew letters that that name comes from. But this name was specific to these people. Now, here's why this is interesting. If you're a slave and your slave owner rules in the name of your slave owner's God, then the question becomes, are the gods okay with this arrangement? Are the gods okay with some people being owners and some people being slaves? Are the gods okay with this oppression? So the Hebrew story of slaves being rescued from slavery, which is sort of the inaugural story of the Bible. Genesis is essentially the backstory. It tells you how do these people end up in slavery? The reason why this is so interesting is because at that time in that place, which is how you always have to read any sacred text, especially the Bible, the question becomes if you're a slave, 
are the gods okay with our slavery and oppression? Are the gods fine? And the answer from the Egyptians was, of course, this arrangement of owners and slaves is fine with the gods. The gods have sanctioned this. They've ordained it. They're fine with this arrangement. So the power of this Hebrew slave story, this Jewish story that is like the, it's like the inaugural moment of liberation in this uh, really, really long unfolding story is no. This God, this Lord is the God of the oppressed is the God of slaves, is the God of the underdog, is the God of anybody anywhere who has the boot of an oppressor on their neck. So when this Lord rescues them and brings them out into the wilderness, the whole story becomes, remember when you were slaves and you were liberated. And so this name Lord carries with it this idea of personal liberation. Of, of relational freedom, a divine being who is not distant and detached, but actually rescues people from their oppression and enslavement. And so to say this name, Lord, was deeply connected with their history. This is a divine being who rescues people from whatever they need rescuing from. Now, you might not believe any of this. I get it. But hang with me here on the story because it informs this wisdom tradition. To say this name then was to remember all the times when you'd been in a tight spot and you'd been liberated. To say this name was to recall all those events, all those times when you were hungry and you got food. So uh, when Martin Luther King quotes Theodore Parker about the arc of the moral universe is long and it bends towards justice, those sorts of ideas are rooted, they go all the way back to this story of, is the universe okay with some people oppressing and enslaving others, or is it not? And does it bend towards those who are oppressed and need help getting whatever liberation, rescue, food, and freedom they need? Are you with me now? I know, we're preaching. So, in the wisdom tradition, when the writer says, if I get too rich, it could go, it, it, I could lose the plot. Otherwise, if I have too much, I may disown you and I may say, who is the Lord? I may, if I have too much, forget that everything I have is a gift. I may lose my sense of gift. I may lose my sense of gratitude. And, and you know what the opposite of gratitude is? Entitlement. Entitlement is when you start to believe all this stuff you are actually owed. That you, you actually, everybody, there's a debt that everybody needs to pay you. Yeah, there's owed and then there's odd. Owed 
is when you're expecting more, when you live with this bloated sense of entitlement, like why can't I get more? Owed is when you're expecting more. Awed is when you're overwhelmed with what is. And so what the, what the person saying the prayer here does is they say, if I get too much, I may disown you. I may lose my sense of connection to source, might be another way we say it. I might lose my sense of humility and gratitude. I may say, who is the Lord? I may forget my own liberation. See, when you have too much, when you have excess, it's so easy for all of that excess to turn on you and become a kind of weight around your neck. You know, we even have like, we even have a, there's like a new round of humor we now have. We talk about rich people problems. We talk about first world problems. Um, you ever had like multiple devices or appliances in your home break? And you're like calling a repairman for the refrigerator and you're, you're on the phone with the cable company and you're, anybody ever had that? And when you tell your friend, yeah, it was a rough day, like these, the, the, this broke and that broke and we had to get this repaired. And then you say to your friends something like, I know, I know, first world problems. Um, luxuries, which we are all surrounded with, they make our life easier. That's how we call them luxuries or time-saving devices. And yet, how many times do we complain because of it? We're complaining because the dishwasher is broken when the dishwasher is a luxury appliance to save us time. And so what happens is all of this excess, all of this unbelievable materialism actually can cut us off from a sense of gratitude. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And by the way, uh, we should say something about money here. If you get way more money than you need, anybody ever gotten extra that you didn't think was coming? You spent it right away, didn't you? The moment you knew it was coming, you'd already spent it, hadn't you? Like you got that pay raise, you instantly adjusted your, your way of living, right? That's how it works. More money, more problems. Like we instantly rise to the level, don't we? Too much creates its own problems. Now, the, the prayer also is, um, I'm, I need enough. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but it's almost as if the prayer says, if I, if I have too much, I'll forget and I'll become small. I will lose my sense of connection and gratitude to a larger source. Anxiety is related to memory. And stress is related to your history. Oftentimes the reason why we have so much stress and anxiety is we have forgotten all of the times when we had needs and those needs were met. And so now we have needs and somehow in the moment we forget all of the times when we were taken care of. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, or, or anybody ever had something that you desperately needed and at the very last minute you got it. And then you told yourself, okay, next time when I'm stressed, I should remember this moment because everything came together. I I'm okay. And by the way, if you're listening to this, 
you've gotten this far. So whatever trauma, tragedy, suffering, heartbreak you've been through, pain, loss, uh, you've gotten this far. You, you've gotten this far. So there is some element of care and daily bread that's been at work because you're here and you're breathing, you're alive. You've gotten this far. So it's as if the, the prayer is, help me not become small and forgetful. And then not only don't give me riches, but please don't give me poverty because that could lead me to desperation. And my desperation could lead me to take desperate action. Uh, and the desperate action, I may act in ways I'll regret later. Don't give me poverty because I might steal and dishonor my God. When you lose your sense of gratitude, it often leads to entitlement. It often leads to bitterness. When you don't have enough, it often leads to desperation. It often leads to panic. And sometimes we then act in ways that later we regret. Like, why couldn't I have kept my cool? Why couldn't I have kept my cool? And maybe that's why the prayer is, keep me from falsehood and lies. Because you know what the lie is. The lie is, okay, this time you're really in trouble. When the truth is, you've been here before. Especially those of you who are in the, on the poverty end of the polarity here. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, no, seriously, we're serious lack. Um, part of the lie is this time is different. You, you're not going to make it. The whole thing really is going to cave in. And the prayer is, I can't, I can't do poverty. And riches will have its own weight. But give me only my daily bread. It's almost like a prayer to be clutter-free. Poverty and riches, they both clutter my life. They clutter my mind. They clutter my thoughts. They clutter my present. It's too, just, just give me, it's not enough or it's too much, but either way, it's not what I need for today. So keep me here. Neither lack nor access. Keep me remembering all of the times when I was in trouble and I was taken care of. You can see, by the way, in the wisdom tradition, if you go back through the, the Jewish tradition, remembering, remember, remember, remember you were a slave, remember you were brought out of Egypt, remembering, remembering is the thing. Remembering is the art. And that's why in many traditions, and especially healthy traditions, remembering is like an art form. Remembering is something that you do together. Uh, sometimes I've been in groups where what we did is we just said, okay, we're all going to go and we're going to go around and remind ourselves. We're each going to tell a story of a time we were in trouble and we were rescued. We're going to do group remembering. Now, by the way, that's a tattoo. Like that's something you put on your wall. That's something you spray paint on the side of a building. Remember. Oftentimes in our culture, remembering is remember tragic moments, never forget, never forget 9-11, never forget, which is very powerful. But remembering in the ancient tradition and in the wisdom tradition, remembering was all about remember the time when you were hungry. Remember the time when, remember when there was not enough 
and remember how you were provided for so that the next time you're in that situation, you'll be calm. You'll keep your cool because you will remember that you've been here before. So uh, to wrap it up, uh, I want to talk specifically to those of you who, who right now, when the prayer is give me poverty nor riches, you're like, well, I've got poverty. <laughs> we are in bad shape. Uh, can you think of a time, can you remember a time when you were here before? Go back there. What year was it? How bad was it? How few dollars did you have? How panicked were you? Uh, yeah, you, you go back and you relieve that. But you're here, so somehow, somehow you made it. So whatever it is you are facing now, the way that you face it is you remember. You remember. Give me poverty nor riches. So when the, when the wisdom writer says, don't give me too much because I may say, who is the Lord? The implication is that you keep your own rescue and liberation ever before you. You keep it before you. By the way, in the recovery movement, one of the th things you do as, as you begin to have some days clean and sober under your belt is then you give your phone number to people who are new to the program. And you give your phone number to people who are new to the program to call you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anytime they're tempted to drink or use. They call you and you just talk to them. You help them gain a bigger perspective. You, you help them in their sobriety. It's like you keep, and you know what that is, that's, that's remembering. In the recovery movement, you keep your own liberation ever before you, and you do that by helping others step into their own liberation. It's an act of remembering. Yeah, the remember, remember, remember. Otherwise, you might say, who is the Lord? And you may do all sorts of things. You may forget your own liberation, and in the process, uh, this moment begins to unravel. So that's all it is. It's just a couple of lines in a prayer. Two things I ask of you. And Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you. And I may say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Yeah, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. As anybody listening who you have all this stress and worry, but if we're going to be brutally honest, we're going to keep falsehood and lies away. And we're going to think about what exactly is the source of that stress and anxiety. It's actually not about today. If you're worried about whether or not your kid's going to get a job when they're 24 and your kid is 13, <laughs> that's not something to be worried about. 
If you're worried about whether or not you're going to pay the bills next week, then let's talk about that next week. Because right now, here today, you've gotten this far. I'm telling you what, this has, this has helped Kristen and I so much, especially in those times when you're really, really stressed about finances. Wait, do we have enough for today? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Because your mind, it, your mind is a restless one, isn't it? It is fantastically imaginative. It can cook up all sorts of scenarios. But if you stop and go, wait, do we have bread for today? Yeah. Oh, okay. And have we been here before? Yep. And did we make it? Yep. Okay. Okay. Then uh, that's what I need. I need today's bread. That's what I need. That's what I need. So that's my prayer for you, my friends. Neither poverty nor riches, but only your daily bread. Grace and peace be with you.